Good morning. Welcome to Denton North Church. Glad that you have joined us this morning for our fourth or fifth. I can't even keep track now uh, of Zoom church meetings. Uh, today, we're going to do a panel continuing on. We really only have three more um, sermons on emotions and the character of God. Uh, we've got today, uh, Sarah, Brianna, and Jamie Ann have joined us to talk about uh, God's emotions and ours. Uh, next week, Chad and Lawrence are going to come talk about feeling distant from God. And then we'll wrap it all up and we'll do kind of an interim sermon series in May and then start uh, whatever we're going to be doing in the summer uh, in regard to sermon series. So let us know what you're thinking and, uh, you know, kind of how you feel about what we, we could address or do over the summer. We'll roll out our small groups as too. Like normal, we invite our college students to the small groups. We keep our adult small groups the same and then just invite our college students. Um, so, you know, make sure that, uh, you, um, you'll participate in that and are there, uh, for that. And then again, let us know what you're thinking for the, uh, the sermon series for the uh, summer months. Um, I want to make a really great and big and wonderful announcement. And that is that Springhita, uh, was a huge success, uh, yesterday. Thanks to Jamie Ann and her team and all the different people who, put that together. My understanding, if I know math, is we made about $8,000 more than we've ever made before. Is that right, Jamie? I think we'll, I think you don't have control over your mute. Josh okay. Yeah, control over yeah it was, mute. it was um, an awesome year and probably the best year I think we've ever had. So, uh, because we didn't have any expenses. So we were able right. to net almost 8,000 more than we ever have. Yeah, that's awesome. I wanna thank you guys for that, particularly for those of you from our church who participated and were a part of that. Uh, just a testimony to how we think about um, the future, how we think about our family of churches, that a church that has nobody in the youth ministry still cares about that and, uh, and wants to be a part of it. So I just wanna thank you in general. You guys have been great as a church. We're just stewarding your money during this time. Um, providing for our church, uh, and providing for a lot of people who are in need. We've made this announcement every single Sunday, but we really, really want you to understand that if you are going through anything right now uh, in regard to financial struggles, you need to talk to us. Let us know. There are not only uh, people in our church who have offered to support people, but we as a church often do um, uh, benevolence giving, microfinance loans, things like that. So please let us know. Don't, don't just... Uh, you know, keep that to yourself. Uh, we want to be able to help you uh, with that. So, alrighty. So, um, we're going to get going here with Isaiah 40. Um, the passage today is 25 to 28. I want to kind of remind you of what we're doing, um, both in our sermon series and with some of these speakers. Um, as we've gone through Isaiah 40, the chapter, to talk about emotions, uh, we have tried our best to take the prophets, which often can be very, very abrasive and depressing, and find messages of hope, uh, which are tend to kind of be more rare, and there's a reason for that, kind of genre-specific, and be able to apply them to um, kind of like what we talked about with the Psalms last semester, these highs and lows of emotions. And one of the things I think it's really important important to just keep in the back of your mind uh, as you maybe reread Isaiah or think through it is, is this is God speaking through an individual 
who has a close, close relationship uh, with God. And more so than anybody apart from Jesus, these are people who really have the mind of God and are speaking that message. And so we get this insight into who God is, uh, I think, in the prophets uh, more than any of the Old Testament literature. And even with Jesus coming in you know, human form and being able to live among us, uh, the prophets are really fulfilled in him coming. And it's really hard to appreciate so much of the gospel truths without really understanding what's going on in the prophets. So as you reread, as you think about this, uh, I would really encourage you to kind of get over the abrasive nature of the prophets and just try to really study them as um, an opportunity to hear directly from God, particularly those of you who really struggle, maybe feel distant, you're in a season where you've really been hearing from God, uh, to reread some of these uh, prophetic books and to just listen. And sometimes it is really helpful to to listen to an audio of the prophet. Um, Some of the abrasiveness kind of goes away there and you get to just kind of hear the messages of hope throughout um, the prophetic books. Uh, but that, that can be really challenging, and you can get caught up in all of the trivial details. Um, and then, you know, for those of you who really uh, also just kind of struggle with, um, you know, society and its seemingly unfairness, which I think is a lot of people in our generation, uh, there is no uh, better set of literature from ancient times than the prophets. It's that stuff that we have grown kind of indifferent to and uh, don't consider much anymore or think of as normal behavior. The prophets take these trivial matters of orphans and and poverty and things that we've just sort of grown accustomed to, and to God, they are abhorrent. They're um, the very things that uh, that causes um, judgment upon the nations. And so uh, there's just so much rich um, I don't know, thoughts and ideas and, and spiritual opportunities to really read through these prophets. And so I'd encourage you to do that and keep doing it. And if you haven't, I last week read through Isaiah 1 through 40 again. And um, yeah, it was great. So just just do it. Chapter at a time, two chapters at a time. Uh, try to do that. And then uh, I think you'll get a lot more out of this uh, sermon series. Okay, with that said, we're going to get going. I'm going to read the passage, and then I've got some questions for these lovely ladies who are here. Um, these were, well, so uh, Jamie Ann, Brianna, and April. April was on the panel last week, or two weeks ago with Tabby, were the first three that were in Denton. Correct me if I'm wrong. I know Kristen Sale and Renee Doty were also there, uh, part of Chi Alpha, but you three were the first up there before UNT Focus kind of got, got rolling. Isn't that right? think so. <laughs> okay, good. Yeah, right. It's a long time ago. Uh, it's kind of hard to remember. And, and part of what we wanted to do with this um, uh, sermon series was invite back some of the OG people from the original UNT crew. And so you're getting to kind of hear some voices from uh, that original crew of people. Jamie and I, uh, Jamie and I butted heads a lot. Uh, there's no doubt about that. We fought. Uh, but uh, over the years, she became uh, one of the best uh, kind of administrator people and, um, you know, sort of, I don't know, voices, echo chambers. No, that's not, that's not the right word. Um, <laughs> to counter some of my ideas and things like that. Brianna was always the best. She was kind of the intermediary between us. Brianna was always very good at meeting with people and talking with people. Not, not the best administrator, but I think she's grown in that, which is, which is pretty cool. Now she hasn't, Sarah says. And of course, Sarah, you know, did just as much uh, running away people as she did bring people in. So uh, that's uh, Sarah's personality. You, you know, you love her, you can't stand her. 
Uh, so I think more people loved me than can't stand yeah, me. Yeah, I agree. I think yeah, so. I mean, a small percentage of the running away part. Uh, but we had a great time. Right fun time. Before this, Jamie Ann said, now I remember why me and Brad butt had so much. <laughs> because you wouldn't give me a time. <laughs> Jamie was asking why, what time we're starting, how to get the link for this morning. And I was just like, yeah, sure. Do what you want to do. You know, find it. And good. then I remembered why we got along so well. <laughs> yeah, right? It's it's, yeah, there we go. Um, but we had a lot of, uh, of fun starting off all living, you know, together. Yes. In the same apartment right across from each other, eight people in one, uh, room, uh, one apartment, I think five or six in the one across. Um, but, uh, yeah, you know, it was really a pretty neat experience to get to go, but we were all very, very young and, uh, even younger, uh, than maybe most to start ministries. And so we got to experience firsthand um, God working despite our failures and problems and issues. And so it was just a really great time. And so I kind of wanted to bring some of them back to just talk about this, this sort of important topic of emotion. Um, yeah. So uh, here we go. Let's read the passage here in Isaiah 40. The section that we're going to focus on 25 through 28, I think, I think it's actually 26 through 28 or maybe 27. I don't know. I yeah, don't do a good job of remembering. But this is going to be the section we're going to be in this week and next week talking about distance from God with Lawrence and, uh, and Chad. So why do you complain, Jacob? Why do you say, Israel? Why do you say, Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord. My cause is disregarded by my God. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He's not going to grow tired or weary in his understanding. No one can stop. So the entire chapter is, if you remember, sort of a segue into the, the more positive section of Isaiah, which is 41 to the end. But even this entire book, uh, this entire chapter, God has kind of made it clear that we're weak, he's strong. And um, it, it reads almost as an indictment on um, sort of our physical nature and 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 I don't think it is but he's reminding us of all of the things that we trust in including even you know ourselves uh will always sort of slip away they'll be our strength will be here today and then gone tomorrow and so um I think one of the big questions that this brings up particularly in this last part where um he's talking about himself sort of personified in human form tired weary um is what exactly is the role of emotions in uh our understanding who god is because there's we've kind of grown up thinking almost two extremes but both pretty shallow either one god is this sort of spock like creature who has no emotions or he controls his emotions completely um and hard to relate to we certainly don't see that in jesus but i think it just sort of lingers in our head as a, an option the other one is he's this sort of gentle affectionate Santa Claus that's just really sweetsy and uh, has no real emotional depth. And so talking about God's emotions is very, very important for us. Uh, there have been people, particularly in um, uh, during kind of the Greek and Roman empires that talked about God having no emotion, the whole idea of the passivity of, or impassivity of God. And uh, so I think we get God's emotions, again, out, apart from Jesus and the, uh, the Gospels, we get a display of that and that, that appropriateness, even though what we tend to see is anger and wrath, uh, more so in the prophets. So I want to broaden this real quick and just 
ask you all, and I have kind of my own as well, but just what's an important example for you uh, of God showing emotion in scripture? And by the way, if you guys have comments or thoughts or questions for our panel, please put them in the chat. Uh, and we'll make sure those are, uh, are answered as well. We'll take some time at the end to do that um, specifically for questions. But during, please uh, you know, ask any questions you have. So an important example for you of God showing emotion in the scripture. Uh, and then the sort of second part of that question is, how does that example challenge how you understand your own emotions? So anyone can just take it away. So important example uh, for you of God showing emotion. And how does it challenge you uh, through understanding your own emotions? Um, I can start. We, I think all of us ended up talking about a time that uh, we saw Jesus experiencing emotions. So I know our text and the text that you guys have been going through is from the Old Testament, what we see about God. But um, yeah, all of us gravitated to different points in Jesus' ministry. Um, so mine is um, Jesus at Gethsemane, in the Garden at Gethsemane. Um, and we see this is depicted in all of the Gospels in different ways. Um, but in Matthew 26, in verse 38, he says, my, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. And um, in Luke, it talks about um, in 2244, and being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. Um, and I think we see in both of these examples of Jesus feeling really extreme sorrow um, and anguish, but I think also, and maybe I'm projecting this onto Jesus, and maybe this is an unfair assessment, but I think there's probably also some level of fear going on here, just knowing what is about to happen and just really dreading it and it being something that just sounds really awful. And I definitely deal with anxiety and dreading things that are unpleasant. Um, for those of you who are in the Enneagram like cult, um, I'm a type seven. And so my basic fear is like being deprived or experiencing pain. So being crucified sounds really awful. And also just being completely separated and cut off from God and his spirit just, I mean, sounds horrifying. And the thing that challenges me here about Jesus emotions is him just being really brave in the midst of that and looking death and fear in the eyes. Um, but saying, father, if you're willing, take this cup from me yet, not my will, but yours be done. So when I'm experiencing a lot of anxiety and fear and anguish and sorrow, I think I start with um, you know, if you're willing, take this from me, but I don't often end with yet not my will, but yours be done. Um, I kind of just end with take this cup from me. Um, and so just seeing Jesus not give way to his emotions as far as like, okay, I'm not going to do this, but, um, acknowledging what he was feeling and that he didn't want to go through with something like this, but ultimately surrendering to God's will. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'll, I'll go next. Um, my uh, example from scripture was from John 11, when Jesus returns to Bethany and Lazarus has been laid in the tomb. 
for four days and um, Mary and Martha, his sisters are kind of approaching him and, and are showing uh, or talking to him just about if he had been there, that Lazarus would have died. But, you know, um, I think later on in the passage, we see him, this statement of him being moved in spirit and troubled and then weeping. Um, and this, this example is, always kind of been comforting to me. So when I read your question of how does this challenge you, it took me a while to kind of really dig into this because initially this is a pretty comforting scripture to me, just in terms of like, I can be pretty melancholy and experience sadness, like in strong waves at times. And so it was comforting to know that Jesus and some of the, his followers, like saddest despair would weep over the the things that they were experiencing out of, experiencing out of um, compassion, but but as I kind of looked and studied this a little bit longer, it did become challenging to me, um, mostly because I think so. Jesus had a plan going to Bethany um, that he knew he w- that Lazarus was going to die, right, and that he was going to raise him from the dead and. Um, had told his disciples that beforehand. And so as I started thinking about that, I started thinking about then why did Jesus weep if he knew like what was about to happen? Um, You know, that there was something in his spirit about what other people were experiencing that troubled him. Um, That the emotions that Mary and Martha and the other followers were experiencing really moved him to this place of of sadness because of they were experiencing death and that was not something that he had ever wanted for us. And, and so I started thinking about that and, and just realized that his emotions weren't selfish, um, or pitiful really. And I think in my suffering and sadness, a lot of times that's where my emotions lead me to a place of at least. Um, and so I think that, you know, our emotions, a lot of times, are about what we're feeling. And we see here that Jesus's emotions are about what others are feeling. Um, and just that his emotions could be separated from what was coming in the, in the future, you know, moments ahead where he was going to bring Lazarus back and it was going to be this celebration. Um, and so this challenges me just to rethink, uh, just sadness and negative emotions in general, I think. It seems like he's showing us that there's a place for these types of emotions without the loss of hope and and what God can accomplish. Um, And I think that's a pretty hard balance for me to strike at times, but that was challenging to me. Yeah, that's good. Um, I was thinking about, kind of similar to Sarah's, but just Jesus on the cross and calling out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And I don't know, whenever I think about that or read that, I'm just struck with like, with the intensity of the emotion, but also just, it's so shocking to hear God say that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That feels like such a human emotion, but I think it's so powerful because it is such a human emotion. I think we all have found ourselves in that state at times and that feeling of my god my god why have you forsaken me um and so yeah i don't know i think that's just this powerful example of god's emotion in the scripture probably like the best one out of the three that we've shared um yeah today definitely the best. 
Whatever. Uh, <laughs> Brianna's a teacher's pet. <laughs> um, but anyways, I just think it's powerful for me and, and helps me in understanding my emotions. One is that that God understands all of that. God understands what it's like to be a human. He understands our emotions and the depths of those emotions. Um, and that I don't have to run from him when I feel that way. Cause I think we feel so like against God when we feel that way. But even Jesus uttered the, that phrase, but then too, it, it does put my own emotions and feelings in perspective when I compare them to what Jesus was going through. Because I think sometimes when we say, God, why have you forsaken me? It's for much less of a, of a situation than Jesus taking on the entire sin of the entire world. <laughs> um, and so I don't know. It's like for us, we feel that way when we feel anxious, you know, or we feel that way when you know, our job situation doesn't go the way we want, or even in the current crisis, I don't know, I've been a little uncomfortable at times with how a lot of the people that I'm surrounded with talk about what we're going through right now, like, this is such a crisis, and this is so hard, and I, I'm not trying to be insensitive, I get it, but most of the people that I've come in contact with have not been very affected, <laughs> you know, like, when you think about places like New York City and people that are losing loved ones and can't even go be with them or visit them and can't even have a proper funeral um, and people that are in poverty right now. I mean, I'm just like, gosh, I'm so cushioned right now. I can't talk about this as a crisis, but that's what I mean. Like, I think putting it, it is his emotions put mine in perspective because what am I being pitiful about right now? Um, so, yeah, I don't know. Those are my thoughts. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that kind of leads to, um, I'm going to get a little out of order here, but I, I'm really curious, and not all of you have to answer this, but just in what ways do you think our emotions are pretty similar to God's, and in what ways are they different? Uh, and how can we begin to imitate God in our emotions? Because there's these kind of two competing ideas. One is that we're made in his image, yet his thoughts and ways are, you know, different from the East is to the West. And so it's really difficult sometimes to think through, okay, God, you made us in your image, yet you're far different. So how do you see that kind of similarity, difference sort of playing out when you, when you kind of think about this idea? Yeah, I was thinking about this a lot um, because I think I have often kind of bought into my emotions being problematic because they have been problematic in some different ways and different relationships. And so I think I've found myself just wanting to not feel emotions at all because of the way that they have led to pretty serious challenges. Um, but I think I've seen like, as I have become more like Jesus and as he continues to um, change me and grow me and stretch me, I think when our emotions are really about other people, I think when we hurt because of other people's hurt and when we experience joy because of other people's joy um, and our emotions are about other people, I think that looks a lot like God. Um, I think a lot of times when my emotions are not like God or when they're really inwardly focused and when they're about 
me and how I'm being treated or how I'm experiencing the world. Um, but I think sorrow, like Jamie Ann talked about in her scripture with Lazarus, like sorrow over other people's sorrow, I think is so like God. Um, and I think that our culture, especially, um, we really like to numb different things. And, you know, I mean, I think it's Brene Brown that kind of talks about you can't selectively numb things. If you're going to numb the bad feelings, you're also not going to feel the good feelings. Um, and yeah, I just think like our, our God has given us the capacity to empathize, which I think is really cool. And I think is really like God. Um, and I'm trying to make sure that I'm not like just veering way off course. Um, so yeah, I, yeah, I just, I think that, I think that when emotions become really problematic, at least, especially in my life or when we decide that they are the measure of what is true. Um, so if I'm experiencing a certain emotion or a certain feeling, that means that, you know, whatever I'm feeling, that that is the truth. And I think we always have to measure um, the truth based on Jesus. He is the truth and based on the scriptures. And, um, you know, that has to kind of be a litmus test for how I feel. And, you know, we have this axiom that I'm sure a lot of you have heard, like your emotions are real, but that doesn't mean they're grounded in reality. Like what we're feeling is, is real. And, and, you know, they're true in our heads because of our, the chemicals in our brains, whatever, but that doesn't mean that they're reflective of what's real and good and true. Does that make sense? Am I kind of trekking with yeah. what we're talking about? Okay. Yeah, that's great. I think um, just from a historical perspective for a moment, you know, some of you have heard the word pathos. Pathos is the same word uh, or same root that we get the word pathetic. And, uh, and actually the idea that was argued kind of at the turn of the century was that, you know, uh, emotions, the most important emotions are the ones that, you know, uh, they would use the word sublime. They were very deep. They were very powerful. And it was the weaker emotions, the ones that we didn't kind of sense all that deeply that was, they were kind of pathos, they were kind of pathetic. And I think Christians are a little behind the times sometimes and can, there's a little bit of a lag. And often they think about their emotions as, unless it's like a deep, deep emotion, uh, somehow their emotions are wrong or not good or ought to be numbed or become indifferent to it. And I just think that's not really at all what the scripture talks about. The talks the scripture talks about emotions as being um, both the strong ones and the weak ones as an opportunity for us to see uh, who God is and see the kind of pain uh, around us and also see the kind of joy around us. And when you really look at the prophet's life, it was pretty hard. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> they were basically, you know, think about the three kind of authorities in their day and age. The religious people would have called them blasphemous. You know, the uh, you know, state and the authorities would have called them seditious, you know, trying to uh, overrun and, and overthrow. Um, and then, you know, the rest of the people would just call them sort of crazy and weird and irreligious and whatever else. And so I mean, they had all of this. And yet so much of that came from their experience of these, these deep emotions for things that everyone else had become, you know, were, were trivialized. And if anything, the scripture talks about God as being able to feel very deeply, both in big ways and small ways. And that's at the core of who he is, not this kind of ascetic, 
numbness like so many people have embraced that's not god at all god yeah it's really interesting it. to me like a lot of the images of jesus that we have like in art he's either like or he's like and i'm like i feel like someone like we have we have a depiction of like jesus being like attractive to children like that children coming to jesus and his disciples are like oh yikes get him away i'm like no one that children are drawn to are just like all the time like that's not that's not someone that children are like like oh let's hang out with him like hang out that guy with no emotions yeah granted jay you got something reese if reese is back there um i was just real real short here i was just gonna say that I think what I found in the difference between God's emotions and my own um, are not in how we feel or experience them, but how we process them. Um, And so I think that what I've kind of been dwelling on and trying to think through is just this idea of, you know, do I respond because of my emotions or do I Um, react because of my emotions? Um, because I think mm-hmm. that God gave us our emotions to respond. I think that that's like the way to like approach that. Um, you know, cause we see like his justice and his mercy and like his, um, frustration when there is injustice, things like that. And so I think it leads him to respond in ways that point to goodness and truth. And I think that's what we're called to, but I think oftentimes it's more of a reaction and about, how can I feel better? What can I do yeah. to feel better? That's a good point. Um, I wanted to read a scripture, First uh, Corinthians 2, uh, 14 through 16. And I can type that in the comments after. But it says, The person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. A person with the Spirit makes judgments about all things, but such a person is not subject to merely human judgments. For who has known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Um, And I don't know, as I was thinking about all of this, I was just thinking like our emotions really follow what we think. Mm -hmm. Um, That's kind of how it works. And often that gets shortcutted to where we don't even really like think through a thought but we you know subconsciously have that thought and that's where our emotions come from right so when thinking about this number one like our feelings are so different from god or they differ from god when our mind is different from him um and and they're the same when our mind is the same but i think that when we're trying to to imitate him more in that we have to strive for the mind of Christ and his perspective, how he sees things. And as we grow in that more and take those thoughts captive um, and make them obedient to Christ, then our emotions do start to reflect Jesus a lot more. But I think we have to track that back to, to really our mindset about things. And often as humans, that comes from a selfish and very subjective place. And that's mm-hmm. kind of that, that yeah. differing um, piece there, I think, for us. Yeah. So one of my big questions kind of throughout all this is, if God knew we were going to misuse these, misunderstand them, what's the point of emotions? What do you, what do you think? And it's kind of a silly question, but at the same time, I'm not for sure I've heard very good answers. Like, what's the point of emotion? Uh, and I mean, I guess the 
probably the biggest answer is that God is emotional. So he's uh, letting us experience, you know, basically who he is. But even then, it's like, why not give us, again, Spock powers where we can, like, control our emotions uh, and things like that. So just what, 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 what's the point of this junk that kind of makes us feel, you know, one day pretty crappy and the next okay? <laughs> yeah, I saw this tweet yesterday that was like, my niece goes crazy when she sees fire. And it was like this adult with this toddler and they like lit the lighter and she was like, <laughs> like so excited <laughs> about this fire. And you're like, okay, that's weird. And also like, don't give that child fire. Like that would be really problematic. Um, and I, I bet like as an adult, like fire is like really good. Like it does a lot of good. It like generates warmth and you can cook with it. and you know, this, that, and the other, but like a two-year-old with fire would be really problematic. And so I kind of think like even the question is just kind of interesting because yeah, I mean, a lot of things are dangerous if misused. And I think as like, you know, even going back to the scripture that Brianna referenced, like when, you know, when we're given the mind of Christ, we're able to, I think, navigate emotions differently. And so, yeah, I mean, a lot of things are dangerous when they're misused. Um, and I think like, also it's, it's again, goes back to the like selective numbing things. Like if we decide like, okay, I don't want to feel these like bad things anymore, then we don't get to feel the good things. So those are kind of some of my initial thoughts. Jamie and Brianna, what do you think? And then I'll probably say more later because I just keep talking. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm really intimidated that Brad hasn't heard any good answers on this yet. So no, <laughs> yeah. I'm like, really he's good. still not gonna. These <laughs> um, <laughs> will just be no, I bad think, answers. Yeah, so I'll just add that. Um, no, I think like, my thoughts just kind of go back to this idea of being made in his image and, and that that is part of who he is. Um, but I think we also see that it kind of all fell apart in the garden and, um, that, that can be discouraging to me. But then when I really spend time thinking about it, I don't think that that means our emotions are not a part of his plan for restoration. Yeah. Like, think that we really have a job to do here to be uh -huh. sanctified in this area so that we can bring about restoration to people um, around us and to situations that are just really broken. Um, mm -hmm. So it kind of just goes back to that idea of being res responsive with our emotions mm -hmm. um, and that leading to, to uh, his kingdom being brought here. Like at zero to 10, like, how was that? <laughs> it was pretty good. I mean, I think that, uh, you know, it could have been better. Now, I, I think Here motivating is a good one. The grand slam. Yeah, I got yeah. it. Let's let Brianna do it here. <laughs> no, seriously, I just think, I just want to make a point, And that's that I think emotions are often, if we're honest, the thing that motivates us to do a lot of things before we've right decided now. to act on them. And um, if we were just to simply decide everything versus doing things with emotions, it's, you know, it, I, we would have some trouble living and doing anything. Uh, so as a motivator, I think, um, yeah. Go ahead, Brenna. Yeah, I have a few thoughts. One, I think 
I don't know. One of the first things that came to my mind is like, what is life without emotions? Like then it reminds me of that episode of Fairly Odd Parents where everyone is gray. I don't know if you guys know what I'm talking about. I don't know why I have that memory, but I do. So Brianna, go on. <laughs> Thanks for that little anecdote. No, it was great. You proved my point perfectly. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> No, but yeah, I'm just like, what, then what are we? I think that's so much of what makes us human. And, um, that is a sign of like real life. I can't imagine a life without joy or hope or peace as well as, as well as sadness, you know, in the mix of that, that's just part of, part of what it means, I think, to be human right now. Mm -hmm. Um, but then also I was thinking, kind of along the lines of, of Jamie and of just like, I think emotions are so much of what God uses to transform us. Yeah. Because even though like sadness um, and, you know, I don't know, those, those negative emotions are, are negative and they're so painful. They do produce so much change in us. Um, mm -hmm. And I think make us realize a lot about ourselves and about the world and, and yeah, I don't know, even as looking at my own children, I'm like, if they didn't have to go through any kind of sadness or disappointment, then I think we all can be like, oh yeah, they're not going to mature very well. You know, if I protect them from all of those things. And so in this time period, as we're going through this sanctification, I think God uses that to transform us and mold us. And I think that's also why the negative ones won't exist in the life to come, because then we'll have already gone through this glorification process and um, God won't have to use those, I think, for that process as part of my thought. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. One other one, one other thought I have is I think that my emotions give me a good gauge on what I'm thinking in the state of my mind, because there are so many like unconscious kind of thoughts and feeling or feelings about things which really are thoughts that kind of float through my mind and often I don't really realize or recognize some of those false ones until I feel something negative <laughs> and so I think it does give me a gauge of like oh what am I believing that's causing this feeling towards this person even or towards the situation or towards God. And it does kind of make me do a little bit of a assessment on my mind. Yeah. I, I heard a metaphor that like our emotions are kind of like the, all of the lights on the panel of our car that it's like, you know, maintenance required or, you know, you know, all the lights, you know, yeah, yeah. What, are, what are some, some of the other lights there? The yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what did you say? I was just asking what some of the other lights were. Could you name any of them? There's one that looks like the genie's lamp. There's one that's like. What kind of car do you have? It's hot. Magic, magic rug. <laughs> the magic carpet. There is one that looks like the genie's like, whatever. But that those are kind of an indicator of like, okay, something's going on that I need to check on. Like I need to, to do something to check. Okay. Yeah. Like why am I experiencing this? I think Brianna brings up a really great point. And I think, yeah, when we look at, especially the New Testament and the New Testament authors, when they talk about like pain and suffering, it's all like good. It produces good fruit that like, you know, we, that's like God using those things to discipline us. And I, I just think that it's really awesome that we serve a God 
who can use like the hardest things that we feel and experience to make us more whole and to make us like him. Mm -hmm. So I think even in the midst of the really crappy things that we feel, we can trust that God is going to work in those to transform us and to make us more into his likeness, which I think is really cool. But I think, you know, again, I think the question that, you know, just this, like, why did God give us these emotions? If he knew we would misuse and misunderstand them. Like, I think that question, there's even an assumption under the question that like God only wants to give us things that we're going to like handle perfectly or know how to use perfectly. And I don't think that he does. I think that that's a part of us becoming more like him. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think the implications for some of that uh, are that in our difficult emotions, um, we ought to run even quicker to God and, you know, to other people to talk and think through those things rather than be on our own in it. And I think that's probably one of the most dangerous things is we get kind of on our own thinking we're going to take care of this and it only festers and gets worse. And so sometimes that I think is, uh, you think about how often David connected with God based on just sadness uh, mm-hmm. alone. Uh, mm-hmm. That gives us an opportunity there. Um, so we're going to wrap up uh, here at about five minutes. So if you have any questions, now's the time to ask our panel. That's the one I was talking about. That's the line Lam- <laughs> Do you know what that is? No. Does anyone know what that is? Lack of oil. La- there you go. Lack of oil. Look at that. Genie well, lamp. I've never Lack seen that light because I always have oil. So. Really? Okay. Seems no. like uh, well, I have a story it. of you running someone's car out of oil and ruining it. Someone no. is very, uh, very uh, Venmo convert. Mm. What? Venmo? What? <laughs> okay. Here we go. Uh, so let me ask my last two questions here. Uh, you know, the first one is if you were going to be one of the inside out pieces of candy, which one would you be? Pieces of candy. Pieces of candy. What are you talking about? Those inside out uh, people in that show. They look like little pieces of candy in the brain. The emotion, the little, they're yeah. not candy. <laughs> well, oh, not. That whole movie. I was thinking they look like candy. I was really hungry. Okay. So yeah, I would be or? joy or disgust. <laughs> I love her. I haven't Just seen kidding. That. I can't remember that movie. I don't even know if I watched Jamie, it. you haven't seen uh, that movie? Jamie Ann would be disgust. <laughs> oh, Jamie Ann is disgust for sure. <laughs> I've seen like bits and pieces of it. And I, I hear that comment. <laughs> Got it. Got it. So let's go around and everyone in the group for about five minutes tell us your emotional state. <laughs> mm. Oh, wow. People are not excited about that. All right. Apparently, we have no questions other than emotions. Question, question, question. Brad, there are a lot of questions in the chat. Can you see the chat? Where am I in? I'm in a chat. I don't know whose chat I'm in. Let's see. We've got Becca. Oh, here we are. Speak to us through our emotions. How do we know if we're hearing God or just our emotions? Can we trust our emotions? You guys answer it. I can't even see this chat. I think I'm in something else. (sighs) Go for it. Okay, so that's the only question I see. So there's, does God speak to us through our emotions? How do we know if we're hearing God or just our emotions? Basically, can we trust our emotions, especially the strong ones? Um, I mean, I think we just have to... I got it. What? I think we have to really test 
everything against the truth, against the, the word of God. Again, your feelings are real, but that doesn't make them connected to reality. So, um, you know, and then the scripture that comes to mind is in your anger, do not sin. So there have been times that I've felt really, really, really angry and felt that really strongly. And I've wanted to do something really hateful or ugly to someone. And, you know, that's kind of an easy, obvious one. Like that would not be a good idea. Um, I think we're called to test the spirits and really assess in the light of truth. I was trying to find that scripture. It's in first John four, but I can't, I'm only like seeing the ESV, but, um, that we need to really test what we're feeling against the, against the, the word of God. And we can, I think we can ask other believers, is this true? Like, is what I'm experiencing true or real or connected to reality? That's where I think the body of Christ and the Holy Spirit that's present in the body of Christ can really help us. And that's something that, I mean, I, to a fault, I think like rely very heavily on other people helping me to sort out my emotions. And I think as we grow and mature in the Lord, we're able to discern some of that more with the scriptures and with um, the Holy Spirit for ourselves. Yeah, I don't. I don't think God speaks to us through our emotions. I think that he can bless us with our emotions and through our emotions at times. But I don't know. I just think about the scripture, the heart's deceitful above all things. And I just think, wow. Um, No, I think emotions are a good gauge for what's going on inside of us and Mm -hmm. not a good gauge on what's going on outside of us. And so I think um, we have to be disciplined in our in our emotion or in our, you know, mindset to, um, to affect our emotions. Sorry, I got really distracted by somebody asking me to show them my baby. So I will. Here you go. Here she is. Can you say hi? Hi, Rai. Can you say hi? Hi, Rai. Hi. She's trying to get a, a sucker. Hi. And I'm just going to let her. I love you. I'm just going to let her have that sucker. She found it. She deserves it. <laughs> anyone else have answers to that uh that question god speak to us through our emotions uh how do we know i think i probably would phrase it a little bit different than brianna um in terms of god speaking to our emotions again i think a big part of that is that uh when we um can see in our emotion something that we know uh, that God himself feels or see in scripture that he's experienced. I think we can have a good sense that that is God kind of speaking through that, but I think it's incredibly, um, no more so than in our, uh, thinking about how God speaks through our thought dangerous to, um, in kind of a bubble, think that God is giving me a message through something that I'm thinking or experiencing. We've always got to test that back with, what we know of him and uh you know but that's it's not sort of dangerous in the sense that it's oh my gosh every turn we're going to make a mistake it's an opportunity for us always to go back and and think through who is our god i mean that's what god wants us to do more than anything else you know so many of uh, the ancients and how they talked about god they talked about them in incredibly simplistic ways and ways that were you know me you can kind of describe me God is beyond description, and part of that is simply because he made us to understand him fully in another 
life, but also because, um, you know, he wants us to pursue that understanding of who he is. And, uh, and that's a, just a big part of the prophet is, is talking about seek me, understand me, know me. And uh, you've, you've kind of failed to do that and instead taken on idols like we talked about a couple weeks ago. So yeah, I, I want to add up. to, oh, go ahead. Oh, I just wanted to add to oh, that. I'm sorry, I just, are you part of this panel? You said it. Does anyone have an answer to that? Oh, okay. Fine. Did you just mean yourself? Yeah, me. I was setting myself up to have an answer. Okay. I just think uh, seeing it as like my deep emotions, particularly emotions that we want to run from that are really painful, can be a way for us to feel very connected to God, like uh, in grief or in sadness or in feelings of just like being rejected by someone or feeling like lonely or feeling just things that we sort of want to numb and run away from. I think we can find ways we, we can experience like really deep connection with God and those things. But I do, I just wanted to re to just phrase it that way. Cause that really resonated with me. Um, and I had one other thought. Can I share? I just really feel led to share it. Nope. Yes. I okay. mean, yes. Well, I, so I was thinking a lot about what our conversation about why does God give us emotions? And, um, I love, I think what everyone said, like it's sanctifying and refining for us, but I think a really applicable context that we see that happening is in our relationships. Like when somebody, when somebody hurts me as a result of their emotions, how do I respond? How am I like Jesus in my response? And then am I expressing my emotions in a way that is like still uplifting and good and protective of the people I'm in relationship with. I just think when, when I don't understand why God did something or why God gave us something, I feel like more often than not, the answer is you were, we were meant to work it out in the context of community and in relationships. And we become better when we do that. And our emotions are another, are are just one of those things. That was it. I'm going to end us off with a really stupid story that Chelsea told me once um she came back home after some kind of self-defense class and (laughs) said that she had learned the best way to defend yourself against an attacker is to just yell something crazy like uh Willy Wonka and that will disorient the attacker yeah I'm sure that's going to work no, for, it disorients them for a second and it's when you are restraining a child who's about to hurt himself and this is not like to so. protect yourself mute from her. an attacker. Josh, mute her, mute her. Someone mute her. <laughs> um, ah, did it. Cool. So one of the things I think that I want to take away from the, this conversation and from the prophets sort of in general is our emotions are so, like, like uh, Jamie Ann was using the, the word reactionary. When someone is happy, whether it's on the phone, front, face-to-face, we just immediately respond in kind. And when you look at God and the prophets, he is incredibly upset at what he sees in his people, but doesn't react to their um, behavior in a way that's a quid pro quo tit for tat. He always opens up the door uh, for hope in the midst of the things that they're experiencing. I was listening to this worship podcast from the, the liturgist or something, that cool crew that is kind of annoying, but it was a good podcast. 
about worship, which we'll probably do in a couple of weeks. And he talked with asking different people about their experiences of worship. And one of the stories really stuck out to me. It was a guy who was kind of um, sulking over being, um, uh, I guess not rejected, but like double crossed. That's a weird word to use. Uh, by a friend, basically just um, let down, worse than let down. And in the moment, he felt God sort of pulling on his heart to say, so now you kind of get a piece of how I feel when you have sort of rejected me and done what you, you've you done to me. And he started to think through in his mind, sort of in a spiritual way, some of the ways that he's really kind of, uh, um yeah, rejected God, walked away from him. And he just said this was one of the strongest examples of worship that he could remember because for a moment he got to kind of understand uh, what that's like. And I think that's what the prophet's power really is, is that they give us the ability to understand how God is so different and how he uh, reacts to us and uh, and how uh, amazing that really is in terms of talking to us about his character. So. Thank you guys very much for participating today, Sarah, Jamie, and Brianna. I didn't even tell you really who these people are other than they're OG UNTP. For most of you, I think, kind of know. Sarah leads the UT Arlington focus group. Jamie leads the, uh, um, along with Kale and uh, her team, the youth at uh, Garland. And then Brianna leads CTF over at Wiley. So uh, feel free to reach out to them. They're part of our network if you have any questions, thoughts, things like that. Um, but if that's it, then we're going to end. I'm going to say a prayer. As always, you're welcome to hang out after and talk if you want to. Uh, or uh, we will um, see you again next week with Chad and Lawrence talking about uh, the real specific issue of feeling distant from, from God. All right. Lord God, thank you for your goodness and your love and compassion for us. Even at our worst moments, uh, you call out to us um, to restore us, and to give us peace. We just thank you that you're a good God. Uh, we get to celebrate a God that cares, a God that feels, and a God that's created this world uh, in a way that uh, is leading to restoration and perfection. Thank you, God. Amen. Thanks for joining us for our sermon podcast. We would love for you to join us on Sunday morning or in one of our small groups during the week. And you can get more information about that at DentonNorthChurch.com.